Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on? I'm Kelsey Riggs coming up on College Football Live. We're coming out the tunnel with this. A big week six slate, including six undefeated teams going head to head. What's the decisive factor in the Big 12's final rendition of the Red River rivalry? Plus, Colorado's two-way star Travis Hunter isn't ready to be on the field just yet. Pete Thamel joins us with more on when we could see the Buffs' big-time star. And the top five, well, it didn't change this week, but we're not satisfied. What are the biggest flaws of the teams leading the way? It's all ahead on College Football Live. College Football Live alongside Sam Ancho, Tom Luganville, I'm Kelsey Riggs hanging out with you for the next half hour getting ready for the weekend and we have a trio of undefeated matchups coming your way this weekend. Let's dive into what lies ahead starting in the SEC with top-ranked Georgia hosting 20th-ranked Kentucky at 7 Eastern on ESPN. The Bulldogs have won 13 straight in the series, the last six by double digits. Then there's fourth-ranked Ohio State hosting unranked Maryland, two of the four undefeated Big Ten teams. The Terrapins looking for their first 6-0 start since 2001, but they are 0-8 against the Buckeyes since joining the Big Ten. And then the Red River rivalry. It's the 12th-ranked Oklahoma Sooners and 3rd-ranked Texas at noon Eastern on ABC. According to ESPN Analytics, the winner has a 70% chance to make the playoffs. Guys, we know that this is going to be the last rendition that we get to see this as the Big 12 rivalry matchup between these two teams. So, Lukes, what's going to be the difference maker, you think, in this year's edition? I think it's going to be the Texas front seven, Kelsey. And when you consider Oklahoma's uh, level of competition to this point, that Texas front seven can absolutely suffocate you. You know, there haven't been a lot of people that have been able to get Oklahoma off schedule offensively, both on the run and the pass game to this point because of that schedule. This group here can and will and will do it often. And so can they get Oklahoma behind the chains? Can they get uh, Dylan Gabriel to turn the football over and be careless with the football? They are a team that will get in your face. They will stack the line of scrimmage and they love to bring pressure from a variety of points. This is a huge test for Oklahoma up front in the offensive line because I think Texas is as good as anybody in college football along that defensive front seven. And Sam, last year we know it was a shutout loss for Oklahoma in this game. What are your expectations for what we'll see from the Sooners? Well, it's the Oklahoma defense that's going to be the story for this game. Texas hasn't played a defense of this caliber. Yes, you might say Alabama, but the back end of Alabama's defense I don't think is as together as the back end of Oklahoma's defense. Gentry Williams, number nine, he's a baller, a football player, a playmaker. Billy Bowman, number two, had a pick six on the third play of the game last year. This, you talk about the front seven of Texas, look at the back end of Oklahoma. That's what I'm more concerned about if I'm a Texas fan. And so this defense for Oklahoma could be the difference maker in this huge matchup. Sooners have been holding their opponents to about 11 points per game so far in this one. We'll see what gives this go round. Meanwhile, for more on this game, let's bring in our college football insider, Pete Thamel. And 
And Pete, you've got more on one of the injuries you're following, starting with JT Sanders. What can you tell us about him and then some of the other big injuries this week? Kelsey, Texas's star tight end looms as a game-time decision for the big game against Oklahoma. Remember, it was Jatavian Sanders who caught five balls for 114 yards against Alabama. They went to him on a key fourth down early in the game. He's one of the top 50 players in all college football. He's on NFL draft radars. It's going to be a huge swing for the Texas offense, especially against vulnerable Oklahoma linebackers, if JT Sanders can play. Look for that decision to come pregame. As for Iowa, their beleaguered pass offense is going to look for a boost after the injury to Cave McNamara. Cave McNamara's ACL was torn, Kirk Ferentz confirmed early this week, and they're going to look to Deacon Hill. The Hawkeyes have the worst pass offense in the Big Ten. They go to Purdue on Saturday. It'll be the first big test for Hill to see how the new Iowa offense can find an identity. Remember, they also lost their best tight end, Lachey, earlier this year. As for Travis Hunter in Colorado, Deion Sanders made clear he wants him to sit out two more weeks. They play at Arizona State this week and then are home on a short week against Stanford. There's a bye before the UCLA game, and Sanders hopes that his star two-way player can come back to practice before they play the Bruins. That bye week for them would come at just the right time, I'm sure, to get him back. Pete Thamel, we appreciate it. Obviously, a huge loss, guys, on both sides of the ball without Travis Hunter. The Buffaloes average nearly two yards fewer per pass attempt when he isn't on the field, and opponents are averaging more than a yard per attempt when he's not on defense. So, of course, you missed the entirety of the games against a pair of top ten teams in Oregon and USC. But you just heard Pete lay it out for what it could like look like for him moving forward. So, Sam, we've already seen this team go from a one-win team last season to what they were able to do to start the year. But as you look ahead for Colorado, what does success look like for them the rest of the season? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, success, Kelsey, isn't even looking ahead. Success is not only looking behind, but looking where you're at right now. This team, yes, they won those first three games, but people were saying, are they going to come back to earth after the huge loss to Oregon? And no, they didn't really come back to earth. They actually competed with a really good USC football team. It took an onside kick that was recovered by USC to not have this game go to overtime. And so for me, the success has been what we've seen all season long, right? And wins may or may not come. I'm confident they will in the next couple weeks. But you're seeing a culture change, a culture shift, right? The 76ers have been at practice and hanging out with Coach Prime and his entire team. And so I've seen famous people on the sideline. I've seen a program that's selling out their stadium. I've seen ratings be boosted at a program that was irrelevant for the last decade plus. This season and this team for Colorado has already been successful. Coach Sanders has definitely changed the narrative around that program and also changed college football with what he's been able to do, Lugs. You mentioned, not you, but Pete Thamel mentioned their schedule and what they have coming up. And yes, two weeks where maybe they have a couple of, of easier opponents per se and then a bye week, but then it is a gauntlet in the Pac-12. So, Lugs, what's your thoughts on what success looks like moving forward? 
I think they've already achieved it. I think they will get two more wins with this schedule that would put them at five and seven. It is going to be a grind down the stretch. Look at the road games in conference. But more importantly, their road and their map to success has already been laid out, and and it's going to impact the 2024 season, the 2025 season, the 2026 season, because they have lit a fuse in recruiting. They've lit a fuse in name, image, and likeness. They have lit a fuse in the transfer portal. And the issue with Colorado now isn't the handful of really good players they do have. It's the lack of depth that they have almost across the board with the entire roster. You fix those issues, and they will get fixed. And all of a sudden, you lose a Travis Hunter or you have somebody go down, guess what? That next guy that's going to be coming in in two years is not going to be a significant drop-off. Deion Sanders was right when he said, hey, if you're going to get us, get us now. This is the worst we're going to be. So I think that the level of success that they've achieved has been nothing short of sensational. But I think it pales in comparison to what it could be two to three years from now. It was just a one-touchdown loss to this USC team, a top-ten team last week. Can't wait to see what this team is able to do moving forward. And we know we all can't wait until Travis Hunter is healthy again. Still ahead on College Football Live. It's Wednesday, so it's time to get in the know with Joe. He might not have a Colorado bet this week, but we are talking Pac-12 favorites. Plus, not much change at the top of the AP poll this week. So we dive into the top five and some of the team's biggest flaws if they want to hold strong to their top spots. This can be a legendary scene. There is no set quite like it. Should be an awesome scene as game day heads to the Texas State Fair for Oklahoma, Texas. And speaking of that game, it's time to get in the know with Joe. Sports betting analyst Joe Fortenbaugh joins us for his weekly look at the biggest college football storylines through the eyes of Vegas. So, Joe, a big game this weekend in the Cotton Bowl, what could be a preview of the Big 12 championship. This is only the third time in the Red River rivalry that both of these teams enter the matchup, both 5-0. Oklahoma, of course, seeking revenge after a 49 49- point shutout last year so Joe are you feeling Oklahoma this week yeah no not taking Oklahoma this week I'm happy to lay the six and a half with Texas as long as it's inside a touchdown I'm going to be playing the Longhorns here let's go back to last year's meeting between these two teams where Texas blew out Oklahoma closing point spread for that game was Texas minus seven and a half now both teams came into that matchup at three and two so you're telling me one year later it's going to be a point less on the point spread, instead of seven and a half like last year, it's going to be six and a half this year. I know Oklahoma's better, but so is Texas. They wanted Alabama, and they just hammered a ranked Kansas team last week. Oklahoma may be 5-0, and oh, but the five teams they beat are combined 13-12 and 12 on the season. It isn't the most impressive resume. Ultimately, I like Texas to cover, and I especially like it if it stays inside a touchdown on the point spread. Okay, Joe, let's go to another undefeated team. USC recorded their sixth straight game with 40 or more points Saturday with a six-touchdown performance from Caleb Williams. The Trojans led by as many as 27 points, but they wound up only winning by a touchdown against Colorado. So, USC, Oregon, Washington, they're all the co-favorites to win the Pac-12 title at plus 230. After what you saw from USC this past week, are they a good bet to win the title? No, absolutely not, in my opinion. They're a good bet to score a lot of points, 
because that's what they do offensively, but they're also a good bet to give up a lot of points, which is a problem dating back to last season. USC currently 50th in the country in points allowed, 48th in opponent yards per play. If you're going to win the Pac-12, you're going to have to get some stops, and I don't trust USC to do that. They haven't exactly played a murderer's row schedule this year either, and they found themselves in some trouble against Arizona State and last week against Colorado. Meanwhile, you have a Washington team that can score in bunches just like USC, and you've got an Oregon team that can get some stops. If I'm making a bet for the Pac-12, I'd play Oregon. I don't think there's anything wrong with playing Washington either. Remember, USC has a back-to-back stretch at the end of the season where they'll host Washington, and then they have to go to Austin Stadium to take on Oregon. I think they falter in that spot. Ultimately, I would not be betting USC to win the Pac-12. Not going to be easy for them, especially with what we've seen from the defense. Let's turn now to the SEC, and we've got a battle of two undefeated SEC teams as Kentucky heads to Athens to take on number one Georgia. Joe, Georgia is undefeated, yes, but they are only one and four against the spread this season. So where are you leaning in this game? I don't have anything for the side right now, but I would play the total and go over 48 and a half points. That's relatively low for a college football game, and I think Georgia's going to hang a number here. I know they haven't looked great early in the season, but do keep in mind, this is their first big test. Feels like a get-up spot to me where they hang at least 30 in this game. Now, we know Kentucky can score. We've seen it throughout the course of the season with Liam Cohen back at offensive coordinator. They were firing on all cylinders last week against a very good Florida team. The key here will be the Kentucky defense. They gave up 28 when they were on the road against Vanderbilt. This is not Vanderbilt. I like the total to go over 48 and a half points. We are now in the know with Joe here on College Football Live. Joe Fortenbaugh, we appreciate it. Let's take a look now at what lies ahead for the teams in the AP Top 5 because three of them are taking on undefeated opponents this week, including that Red River rivalry matchup. Second-ranked Michigan is on the road taking on Minnesota, and Florida State has Virginia Tech, who's coming off a 17-point win over Pitt. Guys, we love these teams for lots of reasons. They're in the top five for lots of reasons. But let's pick them apart a little bit. And I want to talk about the flaws of some of the top five teams. So, Lukes, you'll go first on everyone. Tell me what is the flaw with number one Georgia. Well, raise your hand if you want to be a playmaker, but your last name can't be Bowers. That's the flaw with Georgia right now. They've got to come up with some other weapons to contribute on offense. They have almost double the amount of running touchdowns versus passing touchdowns. Only one receiver. They, they, they have, don't have a receiver that's caught more than one touchdown pass. Somebody's got to emerge for Carson Beck in this Georgia offense. And for me, it's what do they do in the first half? This Georgia team has started slow consistently this season. Gave up 10 points in the first quarter versus Auburn. We're down against South Carolina a few weeks ago. Even UAB gave them competition early. Now, second half, they're fine. But what if you face a team that jumped on you in the second half like you've been jumping on other teams? Georgia has to start faster if they want to win even more consistently. They've only scored 17 points in the first quarter all season. Fewest points in the SEC. How about number two, Michigan, Lugs? What's their flaw? And their fatal flaw is they haven't played anybody. They're just checking boxes right now. I think they're an awful lot like Texas. They may be the most complete team in all of college football, but I want to see what they do when they play Penn State, when they play Ohio State. I know that the Big Ten is down overall. They don't have many physical flaws, but the schedule has not helped. Tom, I'm still looking, man. I'm searching, seeking, trying to find, digging. I don't see any flaws with this Michigan football team. Sure, you can say they don't haven't played, haven't played top opponents. You. But this team is a run-first football team, yet they got a quarterback who's one of the best in all the nation. Defense is one of the best. I don't see it yet for Michigan. 
They have been getting it done on both sides of the ball. Another team that I know you guys are both high on is Texas. So let's pick them apart. What's their flaw, Lugs? I think their flaw has been history has shown that they have not dealt with success very well. To this point, they seem to be proving the doubters, including myself, wrong. Uh, they, they come out of the gate and hammer Baylor on the road. Then they do it the next week at home against the ranked Kansas. I'm becoming a believer. Keep dealing with success, Texas, and you're going to be just fine. Man, the issue for me, Luke, is what happens when you get hit in the mouth? That's what Oklahoma is going to do. We saw versus Wyoming, it was 10-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter with about 12 or so minutes left. Then all of a sudden, they open it up. OU is coming. They're coming, and they're coming with a physical attacking style led by Brent Venable. So that, what do you do when you get hit in the mouth? That defense looks a lot different than it did last year, more of what we would expect from Oklahoma and Brent Venables. How about the number four team in the country, Ohio State, Lugs? What do they need to fix? I think they're a work in progress in the offensive line. Now, they're very young, particularly from the left tackle, left guard to the center standpoint. Redshirt sophomores, redshirt freshmen there. Haven't been able to establish and own the line of a scrimmage at the point of attack, particularly in short yardage situations. So I want to continue to see them improve. The weapons are there. Kyle McCord has shown some flashes, shown like he grew up against Notre Dame. But the offensive line has to really start coming together. But I want to see more, Tom. You talked about those flashes from Kyle McCord. We saw a Notre Dame team that came in and played them great, but there were no passing touchdowns. Yes, you can be a run-first team. You can be a team that plays defense. But I want to see this Ohio State team take the top off of defenses with their dominant receivers. I haven't seen it yet. They've got a Maryland team that has been rolling so far this season. We'll see how they fare against them. Meanwhile, the number five team in the country, Luke's coming off a bye week. What does Florida State need to fix? Uh, they got to play a complete game. We haven't seen their best four quarters put together in one game yet. We saw the second half explosion against LSU, uh, but they have struggled, and they can't run the football for two consecutive weeks. Got to get back on track there. Let's see four quarters from the Seminoles. You'll see a great team. And I don't want to see four quarters. I want to see them play up every single game. It seems like when they played Boston College, they played down to their competition. LSU, they were dominant. Keon Coleman was amazing. Even when they played Clemson, they looked outstanding. They nearly lost to a BC team that had 18 penalties. If it wasn't for a face mask at the very end by BC, they could have lost that game. Don't play up and down. Be completely consistent if you want to be great. We've got an opportunity with three straight home games starting with Virginia Tech this weekend. Not much movement in the AP Top 10 from last week. Top 7 all stayed the same. Five teams received first place votes with Georgia receiving more than half of those, but less than normal. Notre Dame, the new arrival in the Top 10 replacing Utah. So I love this conversation that we're about to have you guys. This time last year, Michigan was outside the Top 10. TCU was unranked. We, of course, know how that ended for them headed down the stretch into the college football playoffs. So, Acho, give me a team outside the top 10 right now that you think could make a run to the college football playoff. K. Riggs, I'll give you a team outside of the top 14. I'm going to give Ooh. you Kentucky, and the reason why is this. They're playing Georgia this weekend, a Georgia team that's still trying to be dominant, not dominant yet. Whereas Kentucky last week behind Ray Davis ran for 280 yards. Ray Davis did. The team ran for 323. And the defense is great at taking the ball away. So find a way to beat Georgia. Then what happens? Over your next five, over your next seven games, you play five ranked opponents. Teams like Tennessee and Missouri. Louisville's ranked right now, too, how you end the season. You have so many opportunities to prove who you are and what you can do. That way, even if you do have a loss, you can afford to overcome it. 
Yeah, Sam, I'm going to go with the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, they've been dominant in just about every phase of the game. You can't run the football on them. They completely retooled the running back room in the offensive line, leading the ACC in rushing. Quarterback's been off the charts in Tyler Van Dyke. And I think this is a team that athletically matches up really, really well. Everybody talks about Duke, and they talk about Clemson, and they talk about Florida State. I think Miami could be a problem. We're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to heading down to Miami this weekend, not because it's by the beach or anything, but to see that game. <laughs> Meanwhile, we saw what Notre Dame could do, bounce back after the loss to Ohio State and got things done against Duke. But what are the expectations for the Irish? I'm not you, I'm not scared. Watch out for the Saturday, we'll have the ninth. Nope, 119th. Sorry. Saturday, we'll have the 119th annual Red River Rivalry game. Number 12, Oklahoma takes on number three, Texas at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Noon Eastern on ABC and the ESPN app. Notre Dame is in the top ten after last week's fourth quarter win over Duke. Sam Hartman has 14 passing touchdowns and no interceptions this season. He converted on a key fourth down late in the game to help the Irish bounce back from the loss to Ohio State. The road test, though, they aren't over for Notre Dame. Let's take a look at today's road test presented by Goodyear. The 10th-ranked Irish go on the road to take on 25th-ranked Louisville on Saturday night. It'll be their fourth meeting all-time. Notre Dame won by 18 in their only other road game in this series. They also, as you can see, have number 9 USC next week, and that one will be at home. But you guys, still a big matchup. Nonetheless, Sam, they've got the 10th hardest schedule in the country. If they survive this gauntlet of four straight ranked opponents on the road and at home with just the loss to Ohio State, what should the expectations be for the Irish the rest of the season? They should be absolutely a college football playoff appearance. Think about this. If that's their only loss, the game against Ohio State, they would have lost to right now a top five ranked team by a field goal on a last second play. They would have had wins over teams like USC, a ranked Louisville team, a Clemson team towards the end of the season that's getting better and ascending, a win against a good, really good Duke football team. What was most important about last week's game for me was not Sam Hartman using his arms, but using his legs, running for 18 yards on a third and seventh or fourth and 17 or 16 on, you know, essentially like getting that first down with his legs. And so you can withstand the pressure, the doubt, the fear from that loss against Ohio State and still overcome. I, I can't wait to see what the Notre Dame football team does. Uh, this is why, Sam, I think maturity at this point of the season with this type of team means so much, especially at the quarterback position, right? I mean, this team, I mean, they're worn out. They, they, they are battle-tested. They've had to go on the road. They've had white knucklers. They've had disappointment. Um, they got to go on the road now and play a night game at, at Louisville. So, if a couple of things, you got to stay healthy, right? If you stay healthy, you got a chance. But I think I think Notre Dame's a really good football team, and I think they're a good football team in the right area. So I agree with you. This is a college football playoff caliber team. It is going to be the fourth time we ever get to see Notre Dame and Louisville go head to head. This Louisville team, five and zero for the first time since 2013. Expect it to be an exciting atmosphere as they get ready to welcome in this top ten Notre Dame team. College football live coming your way, same time, same place tomorrow. Have a good day.